Welcome to your money. I'm Brian Hurst. This evening we're going to once again focus on the financial planning and estate planning. Quality financial planning plays an important role in people's lives. The process and discipline can provide the foundation for the future financial stability of individuals and their families. Information is readily available and all the negative global news certainly appears to affect investment decisions. Although good financial planning is about concentrating on the long term and not allowing all this negativity to impact on the process. And joining this evening is Brendan Gase, Head of Anchor Private Clients and Donovan Marie, Managed Director of CAPTA Financial Service. Guys, good to have you on the program. I mean, the, the difficult thing, Brendan, at the moment is to get clients to understand what long-term is all about, to make those investments, because everyone at this point in time is so fearful about losing money. It's been a very difficult time and it's very unsettling. And I think everybody in South Africa, I mean, even the, you know, if you look, consider the GDP numbers that came out last, last week and, uh, you know, it, it really, you know, continue to rattle investors. We're just sort of seeing the sideways market, a little bit up, a little bit down, RAND going all over the place. And, uh, yeah, investors, I think all one's got to try and do is really just ensure that you have a decent plan in place and you've got to have a, a long-term view uh, around it, you know, over historical precedent is that you know these markets will pick up over time and uh, stick to to that plan you cannot be panicking but it, at the moment people are needing a lot of comfort comforting and uh, you know sort of direction and uh, it, it's very hard to give at the moment I think what's important Donovan is for people to understand what long-term really means I mean you talk about short medium and long term and everyone's got a different time horizon to understand long term I mean we before we came on air we were talking about figures performance over the last five years JC performing at around about seven percent and over the last three years markets pretty flat I mean not much yeah. happening exactly so for me it comes down to trade-offs so on the one side you've got to trade short-term financial security versus long-term growth and that comes down to your time horizon so if you've got less than three years you should be in those defensive assets, cash and, and bonds. If you've got a longer time horizon, let's say 7, 10, 15 years, then the trade-off is to go into those growth assets, but it is going to be more volatile in the short term. So it's understanding that the volatility versus the return. The problem, like you said, is over the last five years, investors haven't been rewarded for the risk that they've been taking. And the, you know, there's a lot of sentiments at the moment they could have earned more in cash. But if you go back and you look at 10, 15-year numbers, then... We know over the long term as an investor, you want to put the odds in your favor. So we know in the long term, bonds are going to do better than cash and equity is going to do better than bonds and cash. So it's about being patient, sticking to your plan and often just going to the movies or going in garden. Don't worry about which president is visiting which country and what's going on because stick to your plan. If it's for growth, if it's for long term, then match your behavior accordingly. Yeah, but people who are talking about long term have said, look, I've already been in the market three, four years, and I'm just not getting those sort of returns. Although ultimately, earnings coming through will ultimately determine the share price, and that will determine your investment, because growth investments are either property or equities. We haven't seen much growth in property either, although people don't price their properties on a regular basis. I'd like to take a stake mm. and put it in the ground, <laughs> and every day go around to people's homes and change the prices. Yeah. The minute I drop the price, I'll throw the, 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 the board away. But when it comes to equities, people tend to, are we doing too much? Are we giving too much information? Are investment houses giving too much information too quickly so that people can assess in such a short space of time 
how they how the investments are doing. Yeah, I mean, certainly where in the states where they you know quarterly review, I mean quarterly you know, returns for businesses and that that come out and 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 you know CEOs are being fired on you know you know they, you're not able to plan the business and because of the pressure of of the results that come out. So I absolutely agree with you that we you know in a way people are being overloaded with. Um, too much information, and there are also too many. There are too many events that we we sort of the macro events that sort of affect. So think about Donald Trump's uh, events now. This, this last weekend, what has changed at a particular company? Say, you know, take one of the grocers like Woolworths or Pick and Pay. What changed there today? But somehow the events of him having a spat with the Canadian Prime Minister suddenly are affecting share prices on a company. And it is, you know, it's, it's a mixed up world at the moment. And you've got to rely that if there are good companies out there and they continue to grow their profits, that you will eventually get those earnings coming through and the dividends will flow from that. So Donovan, let's talk about financial plans. We govern by phase, we govern by regulations. Mm. Do you think because mm. of that and the fears that we have of giving inappropriate advice, we actually are acting too conservatively and maybe giving clients not, not enough growth opportunities, understanding the long-term nature because of the fear of being accused of giving inappropriate advice. I think it's a great question, very topical at the moment, because there's a lot of new legislation and new regulation coming in, um, which isn't all unwarranted, um, to be fair. I mean, we've got legislation in place that states how to treat clients fairly. So the fact that an industry needs to actually state that in law shows me that there's a problem. So it's about facing up to it. But in terms of giving too conservative advice, it depends who the advisor is. If you're working with someone who's just reliant or just bare minimum is to be compliant and do the checkbox approach, they probably will sway more towards conservative advice because they want to do the right thing um, according to, to their checklist. If you're working with someone who's actually got the best interests of the clients at heart, what are their values, what are their goals, and what do they need to do to get there, I don't think increasing minimum requirements in terms of legislation will, will change that. So it reminds me of the story with, with Titanic. So when the Titanic was built, legislation at the time said you only need a 25% um, lifeboats for people on board. Subsequently, obviously we know what happened, only about 25% of the people actually survived. So the fact that at the time when they built the Titanic, they actually made space for 100% of lifeboats, but they only did 25 because they expected over time regulation would catch up to um, to be 100%. So you've got to think, are you working with someone who's just doing the bare minimum or are you working with someone who's actually interested and wants all of his clients to have a safe journey and make sure they all get off? Well, we're going to take a break. You can call us this evening, 011-483-1518. We're talking financial planning this evening. Stay tuned. I'll be back shortly. Welcome back to New Money. This evening we're discussing financial planning. My guests, Brendan Gase and Donovan Marie. And you want to call us, 011-483-1518. You can still email me on brian at bdtv.co.za. Let's just come back to that point, Brendan. You know, they say a good general takes you where you want to be. A great general takes you where you ought to be. Yeah. So we've got financial planners who will take you where you feel comfortable or financial planners who've done the full assessment, 
of your requirements and are now advising you where you ought to be. Yeah. And, we, and are financial advisors giving enough long-term advice? Yeah, that's where that conservative nature comes in. And, and, they, and they, I, I think there are a few things that aren't being done properly or maybe uh, being done a little bit inappropriately. The first thing is, you know, the, the cash flow requirements of a person, what do they need in, in certain stages, one year from now, five years, 10 years, what, what are you going to need to live off? And also then the asset allocation. And if you, you know, if you get a decent spread of assets around, you will take away a lot of the risk associated with investing, but you will also then have an appropriate amount of growth assets in your portfolio. So if you're going to need, you know, half your money, you know you're not going to need it for five years or, you know, in the next five years, then you can be growth orientated with that bucket of money. And, you know, as advisors, I mean, that's exactly that. If people are asking for advice, then that's, you know, they must be guided by it because they don't have the, the, the necessary skills. And, uh, you know, otherwise, if you're going to be go with somebody who's too conservative or is only following your sort of needs, um, then you, you're just getting it's more than you need. Yeah. It's follow your fears yeah, follow your to make fears. sure that, sure that your you meet. That you know. But you know, any investment portfolio, you know, if you look at it and you look at asset allocation, property and equities, mm. if you put that portfolio together, the property values you keep constant mm. in that financial report. Mm. It's mm. only the equity values that yes. fluctuate. People yeah. don't realize that there's fluctuations in that property side of the growth assets being equities and properties. But let's mm. just take a call. Susan, good evening. Go ahead with the question. Have I perhaps missed the opportunity to list offshore? Guys, Donovan, the last time we were on the program, I think the RAND was below 12. We're now yes. talking 13. It was up 13, 20, 13, 25. Yeah. Bryn, what do you think? I mean, offshore is not a missed opportunity because, no. again, offshore is long-term. Yes. And long-term, it's your money that you're not going to need. You know, if you think about a, pass, a, a basket of money, mm. money that you're going to use, that you need here, as long as you get your income is certain and secure, Yes. Your income is going to come from your South African assets because that's yes. where you're getting a lot more income. Yes. Your global money is going to be your long-term money. Yes. So, missed an opportunity? Definitely not. So, there are many reasons why you would want to invest offshore. So, one of them is a hedge against the RAND, so, which goes up and down. So, it's one requirement. It's not the only requirement. But if you look at where we are in terms of global GDP, I think we're like 1%. So the number of opportunities... If that. The opportunities that are outside of our country are obviously far greater. No one in America is thinking, should they have 99% of their wealth in an emerging market? Yet over here, we want to keep everything here and we're scared to take it to a first world currency, a first world market. Um, so has the opportunity been lost? Definitely not. No. Well, Ronald in Port Elizabeth says, I'm 47 years old, and although I have protection for the family, I've not got, got, not got much in retirement savings. How do I calculate how much I need to put away to give me some independence in retirement? Brendan, 47 years old. You're not yeah. going to be independent <laughs> at retirement unless you're putting away. I, I think if you're putting 40% of your salary away, you mm. wouldn't have enough because you've lost out on all those years of compounding interest. Yeah, I think that, you know, they there are a few factors. One is you've got to do the calculation, and that's a you know pretty simple sort of uh, various methods to come up with a, a number that you need to start saving. I think in most people's case, as you say, he's probably way behind. Well, he is way behind on the on the savings, so he's not going to be able to save enough. What is very likely going to have to happen in Ronald's case is you're going to have to start thinking of you know some other you know alternative income streams. Uh, developing some of those, whether it's 
you know, passive income streams, alternate property investments, etc. And uh, as well as, you know, starting to make sure that he has the necessary skills to work beyond the age of 65, because I think the concept of retiring at 65 is is a bit dated and uh, you know that you know it's a, it was from a bygone era and many people are having to work beyond that that, that time frame because of the longevity in our, nowadays so those are sort of things that he's got to start looking at yeah. and donovan also if you start saving and, he, and you've got to start don't be say don't say it's a hopeless case i'm not going to save you've yeah. got to start but if you start saving it's not as if you've got a cash lump sum that you can invest now to age 65 you're going to be putting money away, which means as you get closer to 65, your time horizon is shorter. And therefore, that money is not going to compound to the impact as it would have been had you been putting money at 25. Exactly. But like to Brendan's point, I don't think 65 needs to be that golden number where you stop working. You say it's a, it's a dated you know, um, aspect. It's exactly 136 years. I've done the history of retirement yeah. and Chancellor Otto von Bismarck in the mid-1880s came up with this concept of retirement and chose 65. Um, I wish we could go into the history of it because it's very interesting. But the point is life doesn't work, life doesn't stop at 65. You've still got your health. Um, maybe it's not full-time, maybe it's not permanent uh, employment, but there's definitely are ways to, because if you can delay it even by five years, you, you take advantage of that compounding that you talk about. Yeah, I think you made a good point, but some companies you have to retire. Yes. yes. Retirement is compulsory, 60, yes. 63, that type of yeah. thing. So you've got to think of ways of how can you earn in, the lat in those years, not being retirement years, because mm -hmm. if you retire too soon without money, the golden years are, are don't turn out to be golden at all. At least, well, let me take your call. Good evening, guys, with a question, please. Good evening, Brian. Can you borrow on an RA? If not, how can one access funds? Can't borrow on an RA. Well, you can only mature your RA at age 55 or permanent on, em on immigration. Or I think in the, in the event of disability, disability or the, yeah. the, you can also, but other than that, you, you, you're, you're locked into retirement at age, age 55. Yeah. yeah. Mm. yeah uh, Ima from Barbara in Blackpan says, how do you incorporate into a financial plan money needed at different stages in one's life? Sure. As I was saying to you earlier, I'm about to go into children going to university. And <laughs> that's an yeah, awesome little stage of needing a lot more money than you might have ever thought. It is very difficult. And, you know, absolutely, you know, there are stages, you know, whether it's weddings, um, you know, children's education, university education, etc. Uh, yeah, you've just got to, you, you know, you've just got to sit down and really crunch those numbers and try and work it out. Try and put aside little nest eggs here and there. And uh, yeah, just keep on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to take a break. You can still call us on 011-483-1518. Stay tuned. We'll be back shortly. Welcome back to you and your money this evening. We're talking financial planning. My guest, Donna Marie and Brenda Gase. Email from Elise in Pretoria said, should you be fixing her bond as interest rates seem to be rising? Right? So the debate whether to fix it or to have the variable... Um, well, one thing about fixing a bond is yeah. you know exactly what you're in for. So, so that's so the advantage of doing no surprises. Yeah. So you put but in you're going to pay a higher rate. You are going to pay a higher rate today. And you've got to see where we are in the economic cycle. So the Reserve Bank uses interest rates 
to, to affect inflation. So if inflation starts getting to the top end, that's when they're more likely to start raising. At the moment, I think they've got a fairly good handle on inflation. So I, I would say interest rates are going to be steady, if not going down. So now wouldn't be the time to fix, I wouldn't okay, think. Okay, well, although I must tell you, statistics are reflecting that the next change in interest rates are going to be up. Uh, globally, interest rates are starting to rise. We've got America. Globally, we've got yeah, news yeah. coming out of America. So mm. I, I'm also I've never been one for fixing bonds because it's mm. not as if you can fix a bond for life. You can only yeah. fix a bond for a period of time, maybe yeah. two to three years. I don't know. Yeah. I may be incorrect there. Maybe you can fix it for longer. But yeah. you know, I, I, yeah. I, I'm not sure whether I'd be fixing a bond. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, if you, if you want to know exactly what you're in for, then maybe Brendan. Yeah, I think so. you know. That, and unfortunately, many people didn't. You know, you know pre 2008, you were always you were getting interest rates of prime less two and that type of thing. Now, if you get you know most home loans are around about prime, and if you start adding a percent to to, to that, it, it starts getting very expensive. So I'd sort of say take take a bit of a chance, but if you're really nervous, or if you're in a job where you know your salary increases aren't going to be adjusted, you can look at it, but it's, it's probably going to stretch most people to, to fix it. It's, it just gives you the yeah. knowledge of knowing what you're going to pay. Mm. And also, yeah. it's not as if interest rates are going to go up 2%. You may yeah. find interest rates gradually going up, which means your contribution, mm. if you yeah. fix your bond now, you're going to pay that higher rate from now. But yeah. you, another mechanism, rather than going and fixing the rates, is if you can, you know, if you go along and fix it and they increase the rate by a percent, Take that and put that into your bond now. You know that'll give you a little bit, a small little buffer that you, you know, because the banks. If you do get yourself in financial distress, the very first thing is you go and talk to the bank. And if you're slightly ahead on your repayment schedules, you know, you get leeway. They 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 accommodating. Yeah. The banks don't want to. They're not. We don't want to repossess homes. It's a, it's not a good practice. Yeah. You want to so so a great tip that I would do rather than fixing is saying every year phone your banker and increase your bond repayments by inflation for that year because the cost of goods go up, so mm. increase your bond. If you do that, and I've done the numbers quite a lot, and it's quite remarkable how consistent, instead of the bond being 20 years, it comes down to 11 years. You save nine years just because every year you make one phone call for five minutes, just increasing by inflation. But I like that idea. Yeah. Instead of paying an extra one yes. or two percent now, you as you say, access. increase it, start yeah. putting the money into the bond now yeah. as if it was fixed. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It, William in Durban says, is GAP cover part of a financial plan or part of my medical savings plan? Well, let me answer It's both. It's part of your, yes. uh, certainly, because your medical savings plan is certainly part of a financial plan. So it fits into both. And Felicity in Johannesburg says, many of us women earn a lot less than our male counterparts who are doing the same job, yet we need to save more due to our life expectancy. How can women who are single at retirement ever have enough? Well, I, I mean, I think it's the same for anybody who at retirement is that, you know, you've got to factor in what, you know, we've got life expectancy tables. So if somebody that's probably like for a lady might be 82 or whatever the, the age is and 79 for a male. Um, you know, you've got to do the, do the numbers and, 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 and all your savings are relative to your, your income. You know, the, the salary, I, I don't, you know, the, the salary might be lower than male counterparts, but she set her, she would have spent and, uh, you know, set her standard of living according to her paychecks every month. And if she had her savings relative to her standard of living, she should be okay. It is a problem mm. for females, yes. particularly where they, where they break their careers yes. and maybe don't preserve. I mean, we always say to people, one thing when you're what you're doing is when you do change jobs or break your careers, preserve what you save for retirement. It isn't money for today. It isn't money for the rainy day. I mean, yeah. there are circumstances sure. where many people need that money to live on. Yeah. But if you can preserve it yeah. for retirement that you save, yeah. definitely do that. Absolutely. 
But I think when it comes down to this, like Brendan said, it's important to do your own numbers and your own goals in that because there's always going to be other people earning more than you, whether they're different gender or because they're better at office politics, so they work up the ladder better, whether they're more qualified. So rather than going down that rabbit hole, rather look at your values, your goals, okay, what is going to work for me? John, good evening. Go ahead with a question, please. Hi, uh, Brian. I just wanted to know, with all the volatility in the market at the moment, what does it mean for my living annuity, please? Donovan, so living annuities are a real problem it now. It is a real problem, because especially you know, in the beginning. On the one way, when, the in, when, the, when your investments are going up, mm. that means you can draw that amount of money. But when your investment, when the value start coming down and you start drawing, you're actually eating into capital all the way down. Exactly. So if you need to take the same rand amount per month, it's going to be a higher percentage if your investment hasn't kept up with, with what you're drawing down. And especially in the beginning when you take out the living annuity, that sequence risk in the beginning is a huge problem. And I don't know what the answer is, and, and we've been trying to figure it out, but the returns you get in those first few years can, can determine, you know, 10, 20 years later down the line, whether you're going to run out of money or not. So in terms of volatility, diversified portfolio, a little bit South Africa, offshore, all the things that we, that we keep preaching about. Uh, or, you know, I mean, when you look at the living annuity, the other alternative is because you keep want to retain your capital and you think you can do better then insurance companies, the other alternative is a fixed annuity. Certainly, yeah. So before you even, I mean, the, the, the part that we didn't mention around the volatility is your drawdown rate. How much are you drawing as a percentage on the living annuity side? If you, you know, if you're within the, the means, so at a reasonable sort of level, a CISA, the socio, savings industry of South Africa come out with a table of what is appropriate at certain age brackets. And if you're keeping within those, you should be okay through the volatility. Um, but a fixed annuity certainly is coming into play. And if interest rates increase, then it will definitely be a, a, quite an attractive option. for. And you can to... switch from a living annuity to Correct. a fixed annuity. Yep. You can't do the other way around. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Robbie in Santon says, can I appoint anyone as a beneficiary to my life investment and life and investment policies? Can this be contested in the same way that our will can be contested? Brendan, being a legal man. Yeah, you certainly can appoint uh, other, other people. Um, you, you know, the, the retirement annuities where you appoint beneficiaries, can, the, the trustees of the retirement funds or your pension fund at work will, can have some sort of say, so that can get in a little bit. There are a few technical things there, but for the rest, you can certainly appoint, and there are tax issues around it that you need but to But contest, consider. you can't contest no, the appoint, yeah, appointment no, of a beneficiary. No, 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 no. Well, a financial plan consists of more than just savings and investments. A significant component should be the protection in the event of the breadwinner's death. One area that is completely overlooked is what happens if one's career is cut short briefly or permanently? How will the family survive? That's mainly the disability I'm talking about. The objective of financial plan over and above the protection elements is to build up capital during one's lifetime, culminating ultimately in having financial independence, which does give you options at retirement. Brendan, Donovan, thank you for joining me this thank evening. You. It's important to note our program is to provide information and should not be construed as advice. Next week's program, we will be dealing with estate planning and if you need to get hold of me, my details will appear on the screen. I'd like to thank you for watching and good night.